Hello, everyone. My name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. I couldn't with Twitter. Twitter <laughs> Twitter was like, there, <laughs> there's a lot of people out here criticizing Simone Biles who can't even touch their own toes. <laughs> <laughs> So, Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? Not a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, before you even go further, tell John, I'm going to leave this in the podcast. Tell John I said a very, very big thank you. That was a lot of fun doing that episode. And I learned a whole bunch about cooking. (laughs) So I'll put that to use in the future. (laughs) Oh, of course. He was happy to do it. He had a blast. At least he told me he had a blast. So what have I been doing? I haven't been doing this. I just need to bring this to everyone's collective attention, <laughs> which is that someone needs to get out here and collect FERC. Someone needs to pull them together. FERC. <laughs> oh, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Yes. FERC. <laughs> yep. FERC is the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and they are doing hot FERC summer. They're running a hot <laughs> FERC summer campaign, and the most does not even describe it. They're just, it's more than the most. It's its just Representative Sean Caston, Democrat, Illinois, keeps going out onto the House floor to give FERC updates, and he comes out with these little placards on a fucking easel that are album art, but with a FERC twist. So the first one was the album art for Hot Girl Summer by Megan Thee Stallion with the FERC logo just pasted right over it and girl crossed out and FERC written over it. <laughs> and then he wrote at the bottom, like, featuring Sean Caston. <laughs> uh, uh, how old is Sean Caston, by the way? I don't know. Alexa, how old is Sean Caston? Sean Smucker is 44 years old. <laughs> Not the same thing. (laughs) He is 49 years old. Sean Caston is 49 years old. Okay. Somebody on his PR team is is doing the most. The most. (laughs) The absolute most. (laughs) Except it wasn't even good. I like, I'm waiting for Megan the Stallion to like sue Ferk. Like, that's the court case drama I need. Megan the Stallion versus. I would be here for it. The Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. Just stealing her album art. (laughs) But lest you think that Hot Ferk Summer was a one-off, he came back the next week with another little placard Uh, on an easel for the second edition of Hot Ferk Summer, which was Ferkalicious. Get out. Get the fuck out. (laughs) The album art for Fergie, like, holding the Ferk logo. Oh, no. And this time, he didn't commit enough to totally sing, but, quote, having a well-air-conditioned home when it's hot, hot. That's Ferkalicious. He went on like that. The reason why I'm so dumbfounded by this is I don't understand. If he goes on to the floor, who's entertaining this bullshit? Who's sitting there like, yeah, I I would get up and leave. What the fuck? (laughs) Honestly, like, who is he? I don't actually know how the house works well enough to know. But like, why? Who is he speaking to? Why is he just getting up here and like doing a bad parody of Fergalicious? And who's sitting through this? Who in their right mind is like, yes, I want to see the end of it. I would be. <laughs> Why? I don't know. It's like not even not even like voting on something. He's just it's just Ferkalicious. Hot Ferk <laughs> Summer. I don't 
I don't know. <laughs> I just can't with these like screenshots from C-SPAN of him like standing at a podium with an easel. Oh, that's true. C-SPAN is always broadcasting whatever it is, mm-hmm. 24-7 of whatever's happened on the house floor. What a waste of bandwidth. Yes. <laughs> what a fucking waste of bandwidth. And I mean, I'm sitting here talking about it, so I guess they're succeeding in that regard. But also, I have no idea what what is Hot Furk Summer. What are they actually trying yeah. to accomplish with Hot Furk Summer? I work in energy, yeah, it- and I don't know. <laughs> what I was going to say is they have you guys beat at your office because hot fork summer you guys were out here doing summer of solar summer of solar mama hot fork summer trumps you guys <laughs> you guys thought you were doing a lot these people are doing <laughs> the mostest <laughs> everyone is out here doing the most the solar energy industries association uh sia has been using hot solar summer as a play on hot girl summer <laughs> since before FERC, everyone is just out here doing a thousand. The most. And <laughs> why? why? This doesn't make any sense to me. Why? And you know what the other thing is? I assumed they were promoting something like this was the precursor to like a, I don't know, an agenda or a bill that they're trying to push through. Like, yeah, right. are, you, are you just advertising the agency like the federal? <laughs> you are a government agency. You don't have to advertise your own presence. It's a, how'd that work? I don't know. <laughs> But you know what? Be- just just on account of they are doing the most, I'm here for it. That's it. <laughs> they are doing the most, and I support. I support the most. It's certainly keeping my team's chats at work entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and our Summer of Solar campaign. So last week I told our listeners about the uh, campaign that I'm helping run out of the Department of Energy Solar Office. Hashtag Summer of Solar. Hashtag running on sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> running on... <laughs> Not hot for summer, though. Carry on. Not hot for summer. <laughs> I really feel like our hashtag has made it because, like, there's all the standard summer of solar posts, like ones from us and ones from, like, other agencies and solar industry people. But someone used our hashtag on Twitter to complain about their neighbor's solar panels. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> ah. Wait, this is a story I want to hear. What did the neighbor do with the panels? Apparently, the company that installed them installed them in such a way that they reflect the sun into this neighbor's office window. Are you serious? (laughs) And he tweets, he's like, not having a very good hashtag summer of solar because at the name of the solar installer messed up my neighbor's solar and it just shines right in my window while I'm working from home. Oh god. <laughs> like, what? Where did you I, find hashtag, hashtag summer of soul? <laughs> I feel oh. sad too. You know what? I love this. I love this. This is exactly oh. why you created that hashtag and they're using it appropriately. <laughs> if not for pettiness, what else? <laughs> what else? <laughs> he tagged the solar installer. He used the DOE oh. hashtag to be like, there's a glare off the panels into my window. <laughs> You know, actually, no, can we follow up with this person and just check if the installer came back to fix it? Because now I want to know. I want Because you understand what I'm saying? If mm-hmm. the hashtag gets his problem fixed, it's working like it should. It's working yeah. like it should. <laughs> well, apparently he should have picked a more popular hashtag because his tweet has no likes, no retweets, no replies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
I've also been trying to go out to dinner and go out with friends and enjoy my life before everything shuts down again because y'all don't get your goddamn vaccines. Get vaccinated. Ah, the cases are going up. DC is putting an indoor mask mandate in place again. Like, ah, get vaccinated. I'm upset about this because like, I was so excited that we had, like, gotten through the worst of it. But I'm hearing that, like, California might be struggling again Mm -hmm. or something. Because apparently, like, the variant that... The variant, the Delta variant that apparently the Pfizer vaccine gives you 80% protection against. Get the fucking vaccine! Yes. (laughs) It's not supposed to be a hard thing. Get it. I have been looking forward to this hot boy summer i've done everything i'm supposed to do i've bought all the unnecessary clothes that i have no place to wear them and i'm just waiting for stuff to open up and be invited to things so i can do the most and all of a sudden i'm hearing that we may be going back into a shutdown because some people just refuse to get vaccinated y'all are not gonna ruin my hot boy summer i'm sorry get your shit together people (laughs) this is just not fair the cases are rising really fast and yes the majority of them are among unvaccinated people which makes me want to be completely unsympathetic and to some extent i am completely unsympathetic like Oh no, I got sick from something completely preventable, that there's a free... But also, the fact that it's the cases are rising and still spreading like this is exactly what's leading to these variants. Like, it's giving it a Mm -hmm. chance to mutate and evolve, and it's giving rise to variants that are going to make us have to re-engineer the vaccine because it's not as effective against them. And it's just, I just feel like it's this vicious cycle that we're just feeding right into, and I don't understand why people can't just get a vaccine please get the vaccine if you are listening to the podcast and you haven't already gotten the vaccine you know what i will do i will go ahead and put places where you can find information to get the vaccine wherever you are especially if you're in the u.s it should be relatively easy for you to get at this point so i think on the big empty Mm -hmm. purse account i'll like just post something saying if you haven't gotten your vaccine yet get in contact with these places and they should be able to get it to you because i don't believe there's any reason why anybody should be walking around now without the vaccine like there right there's no reason right it's free it's free it's literally free it is now readily available like (laughs) a lot of testing and observation has been done there is no extensive adverse events from mm-hmm. the vaccine even the johnson and johnson one that they paused they've gotten back on it because they realized that it's not that mm-hmm. get the vaccine get it yes <laughs> please yeah <laughs> you know it's a lot more risky than the vaccine covid the actual disease <laughs> covid <laughs> covid will literally yeah. kill you yeah so. i want to travel too you know like i haven't gone on a trip since 2018 first of all that sounds like such a first world problem <laughs> Well, it's me. I haven't traveled in two years. Mwah, 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 mwah. No, but I'm upset about it. I'm upset about it because mm-hmm. I've been sitting home for two years hoping that every place will open back up. Everything will be under control and I can finally get my ass out there. And you people are just ruining that for me. Can mm-hmm. we not, please? <laughs> for me? No, I'm just so tired of sacrificing things in my life for the public health when other people won't do even completely yeah, simple Yeah, they won't things. do the best. Ba- yes. I don't know any family member who isn't vaccinated as of now. But if I do, somebody I know who isn't, I'm fighting them. It's on site. Mm-hmm. I'm beating your yep. ass. I catch you in the street, I'm beating your ass. Because there's no reason why you you should not have the vaccine. Anyway, I've beaten that dead horse now. But yeah. like this one gets me because people will say, like, oh, like I'm scared of the side effects, like it's not tested. Okay, okay. 
But all of these mask guidelines now say you don't need to wear a mask if you're vaccinated and that if you're unvaccinated, you should still be wearing a mask. Like half of adults aren't vaccinated. I don't see half of adults wearing a mask. If you were just worried about the side effects of the vaccine, then you should still be wearing a mask. Like, just wear a mask. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Because the actual (laughs) disease will get you. Like... Why are you unvaccinated without a mask? First of all, I will say, though, I've just gotten used to having the mask on. So even now that I am vaccinated, when I go places, I just put it on. I just Mm -hmm. put it on. Uh, What have I been up to? I haven't done anything. I have been going through it. Less so than last week, but like that's gonna change next week. It's gonna go right back up. So we, we know how that goes. Like I'll be up. I'll just look. It's like clockwork. Next week I'll come over here. And guess what I'm gonna say? I'm going through it. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm gonna say next week. But have you been watching the Olympics? I have. I've been all about the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Have you? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have been you know like when i scroll twitter i like see like a headline about it or whatever i heard that um tom daly won a gold after i think he's won i think he won a gold for synchronized diving um he and some other guy and i think previously in 2012 and 2016 i think he won i they might have been bronze medals both times i'm not sure but anyway he yeah. finally won a gold and we're happy for him and I'm actually especially happy for him because I had written him off as being a has-been, which is mean to say. You know that annoying thing where that some queer people do where when they come out, mm-hmm. they make that their whole personality now. Yeah. So whatever it was that they were known for before they came out just goes in the back burner. And now they just make being queer their absolute 100% personality. I feel like he did that. I feel mm. like he did that. He came out and like everything about him was just about him being gay. And yeah. I was like... Okay, but you are still a world-class athlete. Yeah. <laughs> you should still be a world-class. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can be two things at once. You don't have to just be- pick. But I- I'm really happy to hear that he got his foot back in there and he did the damn thing. So shout out to him. And they showed this cute video that I think was supposed to be of their child reacting to watching the, uh, his um yeah i thought that was cute i thought that was cute that so was shout really out to cute. tom daly proud of you the other thing that i saw is the headline that said simone biles refused to do something yeah. being able to have your own backbone to draw such boundary lines when you know yes. it could potentially hurt your own career being that much of a boss yeah i, I don't know. know the full story except that she she did say that it was not an injury that she was pulling out to take care of her mental health. And I was like, Uh. like, I'm just thinking of like all of the times that I've had a mental health issue that I've lied and said it was a physical health issue. And she like so easily could have done that. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) yes, (laughs) she's, she's just, oh, I respect her so much. That was amazing. Like, obviously, like, it's great to see her compete, but like, she has nothing to prove. She's a, she has four exactly. new gymnastics moves named, just four moves named after her. Four. Right. Right. Yeah. I couldn't with Twitter. Twitter, <laughs> Twitter was like, there, <laughs> there's a lot of people out here criticizing Simone Biles who can't even touch their own toes. Oh. <laughs> 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 the internet is undefeated. Oh undefeated. God. I want to reach that point in my life where I am so good at what I do that I don't even have to do it anymore. 
Mm-hmm. She, we already know she's good. We already know she's fantastic. We already know there's nobody else like her. So mm-hmm. her doing it one more time for you to see in, in this Olympics, yeah, sure, rack up the medals. But we already know she can do the damn thing. So her pulling out, it's not like, oh, we were wondering whether or not she could accomplish the feat. No, we know she can. So her pulling out, yep. we know she would have always done it. Yeah. So shout out to her. I'm so proud of that girl. She's doing the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Mobiles. We love you. I mean, I do this with the Olympics every time, which I think is the point is I just get involved in very random things and talk about them a lot. And then we'll have no interest at all until they come back around in the Olympics. Or like <laughs> Four years later. <laughs> Wait, you know, the stupid thing that I haven't thought about really because the Olympics last year was p- postponed to this year. Does that mean the next one will be three years away instead of four years away so they can keep the original? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Wow. So that means that I don't know. I guess the Olympic athletes just are training year in, year out. So it's not the case where, you know, they have, oh, you have four years until you train again. Like they're always training. So it's not like that. Right. Yeah. Right. That is a brutal life. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> I know. Just training for the sake of training. Like when I do things, like I said previously on the podcast, I want to be on the other side of things as quickly as possible. So I want to <laughs> know there's an. I want to know there's an expire like there is a deadline to this. Like, yeah, if I'm training, say, for instance, I'm not an Olympic athlete, obviously. But if I were, I'd want to know, like, OK, I'm going to do three rounds. I'm going to do the 2024, 2028 and 2032 or whatever. And I know I'm going to do those three and be done. Mm-hmm. So I will train for 12 years. And I know after those 12 years, I'm done. I'm going to get sponsorships. I'm going to go be a sports commentator. I'll do something else. I want to have a deadline. But these people who are just uh, forever and ever <laughs> until something happens, <laughs> like that to me, I'm like, wow, that is brutal. Yeah, that's a it's a different mindset. But I forget how many of them I've been watching the interviews and I forget how many of them are, you know, they spend a huge amount of their time doing this. And there's other big competitions besides the Olympics and pretty much all their sports. But they were interviewing some of the divers and they're like collegiate divers. They're like, oh, an upcoming senior at Stanford or whatever. And right. they're like interviewing him and they're like, are you going to wear your silver medal to your summer internship that starts next week? <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I usually don't think about that. These people are people who are just starting their lives and they've accomplished such high. You know what? I, w- mm, I guess we mm-hmm. could talk about this in terms of career right now. But like, I would be so afraid of peaking while I was young. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I guess in their mind, they don't see it as peaking because they're like, just like Tom Daly, he won runs some eight years ago. Like, you can still win gold next time. Like, the whole goal is to continue to push yourself so you can get better and better and better. So, but the thing is, if you win the silver and you intended to go back next four years and win the gold and you had some debilitating injury that you couldn't go back, I'd be terrified of that because that would mean I have already peaked. No matter what I do, I could not do better than that. That would terrify me. Yeah. I guess it, it does terrify everybody. It's not it's not just for Olympic athletes. There's some people who just are terrified of ever peaking ever. So, yeah. Damn. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of peaking, on today's episode, we'll be discussing careers. <laughs> <laughs> I hate I hate that segue so much. I, <laughs> I hate it. But I needed one, so I took it. It is wild, wild. The people are just expected to dedicate their lives to work. And what's worse is that that work is tied to how they earn a living. Mm -hmm. 
I just think that's weird. And then we're over here just discussing, oh, yeah, careers. What? what? Yeah, it's trash. It's trash. And it's taken me so long in my life to realize it's trash. And I still, American culture is so work-centric, just hyper work-centric, that I, even though I'm now sort of aware of how weird that is, that we're obsessed with work and our careers, I still, like, if I need to do small talk with someone, like, without even thinking about it, what do you do for work? Like, uh, ask everyone. It's like the first thing, I know nothing about their personal life, but I ask them what they do for work. Or I'll just say, what do you do? And I mean work, and they'll answer with what they do for work. Oh, do you, right. I'll just say, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. I hate that question. I hate, 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 I hate, hate it too, hate and I still question. ask it. Why do I do that? I, that's the thing. That's the thing. I have just, every single time I meet somebody for the first time, that's the one question I won't ask. And if they ask me what I do, I will beat around the bush. I will make a joke about it. I won't tell you. Because I guess I, I honestly, though, for the record, I do nothing. <laughs> I'm an accountant. That's the truth. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> that TikTok video, I think it's fucking hilarious. I think it's so hilarious. No, it but every time. if you guys don't know what we're talking about, there's a video on TikTok where this guy is a theater performer. But because he's perpetually unemployed, when people ask him, he just says he's an accountant. And apparently that people stop asking questions after that because no, does anybody <laughs> want to know what an accountant does? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares. It's a whole song. <laughs> where do you work? It's a whole At song. At a place where accountants work. <laughs> <laughs> but that question, I won't ask it. I will go out of my way not to ask it. I will start a conversation with anything. If I met, if I met the person on a Monday and there was a holiday weekend over the week, I was like, oh, how was your holiday weekend? What did you do? Or I'll compliment their shoes and I would like explain why I like the shoes or whatever. I'll mm-hmm. start somewhere else. I think weather's a little played out because this weather, eh? Yeah. Like <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't work as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I don't. I, oh, yeah. And then just to make it extra, extra, extra super trash, your healthcare is tied to your work. Your literal physical well-being is tied to whether you are working consistently. That stuff, we've talked about that a few episodes back, but that stuff still pisses me off. Mm -hmm. There there are a lot of things that I think should not be tied to your well-being, your your work. Like, Mm -hmm. your basic human needs, I don't think should be tied to your ability to earn a living, if that makes sense. And that's, like, somebody's going to say, well, that's very socialist. I'm like, yeah, it is. (laughs) And... Because, like, your housing, your clothing, your food, those kind of things were, like, that stuff for you to be alive. Because you didn't ask to be here. And now that you're here, we should all figure out a way to make sure that every single... And I don't mean, like, one person. Every single person. I don't know if we can do, like, a... Like, the government should pull money from everybody in taxes to take care of that. Like, Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying give everybody a mansion. Bare minimum. The stuff that, and I'm not saying give them foie gras or, I don't know, caviar, petrosium beluga. I'm saying give them regular stuff that they can survive on. Don't buy them a Chanel dress. I don't know. Yeah. An H&M dress for everybody. Makes sense. An H&M. Stuff like that. And it's all the way. Stuff like that, I feel like everybody should have access to. But the fact that mm-hmm. if you do not work, you don't get that. And I understand it. Like the American capitalist, American capitalism relies on the fact that for the whole economy to be productive, every single person has to feel like they must do something. Because human race is not one that's extremely altruistic. If somebody mm-hmm. says, "I don't have to work at all," 
and I could just stay back and get the bare minimum in life, I might consider doing nothing. But if we need the the whole country to work, like the person who's going to bake bread has to bake bread because they have to feel like if they don't bake bread, they won't be able to pay their light bill. That means that when they do bake the bread, the rest of us have bread because we can eat bread. But if that person gets free, whatever, whatever, they may choose not to bake bread. But honestly, if you truly, truly think about it, that way of thinking is like 200 years old already. It's way past because we don't need a single person to bake bread. We have machines that can bake bread now. And the mm-hmm. machines don't get paid to bake bread. Like, and the machines also <laughs> don't require anything for, well, besides whatever, we, the oil that goes in there for sustenance or anything. But like, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. yeah. You know what? The day the machines choose to revolt, I need them to ignore what I just said. <laughs> because, <laughs> because I'm on your side, just in case. But since you guys, the machines, don't eat, you don't breathe, you don't drink. Yeah. You guys can afford to just work perpetually without any issues. So, we humans, we need sustenance. And that's what I'm saying. Um, Yeah, I think that's just trash that we have to rely on work to get the basic needs. Terrible. It really is. It's great for capitalism, though. It's great for capitalism. It keeps everybody on the, uh, the Red Queen's race where you have to run just as hard just to continue to stay in place. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine? Okay, somebody who works 40 hour weeks just has enough money actually some of them don't have enough money working a full 40 hour week and not even be able to pay for a place to live yep you are running so hard and you can't even stay in place it's impossible and then we talk we can go on a tangent here about like the minimum wage situation you know what let me stop it just i'm just gonna get upset if i continue but anyway yeah no that is trash anyway Anyway, when you were a kid, did you know exactly what you wanted to be when you grew up? Also, again, well, I like just, me just asking these questions that I hate because I don't like the fact that we ask kids what their career choices would be when they're kids. Like, oh, hey, you're five yeah. years old. What work would you like to dedicate your entire life to? Yeah. <laughs> First of all, nobody should have to dedicate their entire life to a work and feel like they have to. That's one. And two, I don't feel as though kids have enough understanding of what those career choices actually are to make a wise decision about them and then we just as kids would just say some random shit then like you know you stick with it for long enough until you realize it's not really what you want and you you know what i mean it's so crazy yeah a two-year-old will like stack two blocks and they'll be like he's an engineer (laughs) (laughs) what Jesus Christ. He's an engineer. Yeah. No, it's it's really, it's another one of those things. It was just so normal growing up. I remember exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a veterinarian because I loved animals. So I wanted to help animals. And so I wanted to be a veterinarian. I remember I still have somewhere like a t-shirt. We had a school project to make a t-shirt about the career we wanted to have in like first or second grade. I have this t-shirt that what? I made in like first or second grade that's like doctor cutting veterinarian like (laughs) it's just indoctrinated from (sighs) such a young age so then i learned that vets had to to uh euthanize animals and i no longer wanted to be a vet (laughs) 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 that was a rude awakening (laughs) question my whole career path at you know 10 years old or whenever i learned (laughs) um Which, which, duh, of course, a, like, a kid doesn't understand what it means to be a veterinarian. Like, right? why would a kid understand what it means to be a veterinarian? Anyway, so then I was like, okay, well, if I'm not going to be a vet, I'm going to be a doctor, because that's, like, generic, like, you're a smart kid, 
you're going to be a doctor. That's exactly, yeah, yeah. So then I wanted to be a doctor for a while. And then at some point during high school, I like sort of liked my science class and did some career quiz that was like, you pay attention to details. So it was like, well, then I should be a scientist because that's like something I feel like is a career and <laughs> and something I thought would pay well. That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got yeah. bamboozled. I really did. I did. And it was it was absolutely not the career for me. Like not not remotely. I'm not in science anymore. Like I'm tangentially in science, but I didn't it took me a long time. I didn't remotely know what I wanted to do when I was a kid. I only learned what I wanted to do by doing a bunch of things I didn't like doing. From the time I was a kid until now. That right there. That right there. And I think to that end, I, I, I was, you segued perfectly into what I was going to say. I feel as though instead of asking a kid what they want to be when they grow up, I don't think that's very important. I think what you should do is expose kids to a lot of things. And that way the kid can just figure out, oh, I like this or I like that or I don't like this as much. And then they can just because I, when I was growing up, did not know what I wanted to be. I'd get asked that and I would be like, I don't know. And that used to piss everybody off. I'd be like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah. What do you want me to say? I don't fucking know. And I think I was self-aware enough as a kid to realize that I honestly don't fucking know. I'll tell you what I like. I'd be like, oh, I saw the movie X. We know like that movie Gattaca. Mm hmm. I always thought that movie was the coolest thing ever because, like, the way they were able to change people based off of it. I was like, you know what? That's fun. And, you know, somebody was like, oh, yeah, then you should go into science because you like that movie so much. I was like, okay, whatever. And the other thing is your parents will, like you said, if you're a two-year-old and you stack two bricks together, Legos, oh, engineer. Yeah. <laughs> but the problem is I don't feel like I was terrible at many things as a kid which is not a flex mm -hmm. most kids are not bad at stuff because the bar you're measuring the stuff that they're doing is not very high and but what people then do is they measure right. their kids against other kids not a, against an objective bar that says good right but like i don't know like if you compared mm -hmm. me to the other kids sure i wouldn't be the last in the bunch but i didn't yep. think i was i didn't think i was helpless but i also didn't think i was absolutely good at anything if you gave me anything to do i would figure out a way to do it decently well mm -hmm. that was it and then of course when you do that people be like oh you're so smart yeah. no i'm not smart you gave me a task and i figured out a way to complete it that's the bare minimum i can do i have not shown any you know significant intelligence here i've just done what you've asked me to do that's it that's really mm -hmm. it. And I hate that yep. stuff where this is the other thing, right? As growing up, if you did exactly what I did, you know, they give you a task and you just get it done anyhow, you know how. And they keep telling, oh, you're smart, you're smart, you're smart. I used to hate that because actually, yep. and I knew this back then, there were kids who didn't have to work a tenth as hard who found the exact same. Maybe they wouldn't find 10 things easy. Maybe. And those kids I always envied because I would be able to figure out a way to make all 10 things done. I, I figured out a way to get them done proficiently. And maybe another kid would only do three of them well enough. And the other seven, they wouldn't do them well. And they'd call that kid stupid. But of those three things those ki that kid could get done, all three of them, they did them excellently and supremely better than I could do any of those three things. And I'm like, actually, that's the smart kid. 
that right there, that's mm-hmm. a smart kid. I'm just going to do the <laughs> what I got to do to get by. That kid actually finds those three things extremely easy. Comes second nature to them. So that kid is actually smart. And when you grow up, you realize that smart, quote unquote smart, means nothing. <laughs> it's such really a throwaway term. And they say that to everybody's kid. I'm like, mm-hmm. actually, your kid is an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I, the whole, uh, what you want it to be when you grow up, I didn't have a good answer for it. I did not. I, honestly, though, I'm going to say this in a moment of vulnerability. I still don't know what I want to be. And every day I'm like, yeah, I'm well into what I'm supposed to be in my career. I'm well into what would be technically considered one of the experts at some point in my field. And I still <laughs> don't know if I made the right decision. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know if I am doing exactly what it is I should always have been doing. But I'll, I'll come back to that later where I'm like talking about. But also, who's to say that you can only have one career at a time? I know. Like you, this whole thing where you have to pick the one, you have to pick the one, you have to pick the one. What the fuck is that? Were there careers that your parents tried to stare you towards? There weren't actually. Um, my dad only had a high school diploma and he did something which he knew was not a thing anymore, which was out of high school, got into the flooring industry and worked his way up, worked in flooring his entire life and became like an executive with a high school diploma. Like it's not, it's not something that happens anymore. (laughs) So, and it's not like he tried to sell me on that way of doing things in this day and age where everybody's trying to be a fucking elitist or whatever. Someone who has chosen to do this thing, and continue to do it until they're very good at it. That person is the one who's chosen smartly what to do as a career. Yeah. They're not going off of like, um, uh, what are you, a passion or a feeling or this. They're like, no, this is the thing. I'm doing it. I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to get as good as it as I possibly can. And I'm go- that, I think, is how somebody builds a career. Not this mm-hmm. nonsense where you're like, let me try to cerebral. And right. also, somebody who has done it as experience over the course of time is better than someone who went to school to learn the theory to try to figure out oh yeah i'm not saying and i i'm a proponent of school i think everybody should go figure out the theory but what we have seen time and time again theory and practice don't always line up and you know how the what's the saying we the reason why we know math works is because we use math and we got to the moon the proof is in the pudding i think i've said that before i think i probably said last episode but yeah, we know that the only way the theory works is if the practice can back it up. Mm-hmm. So if we have all this theoretical knowledge and somebody goes to do it and they... No, it's the person who's been doing it for the last 20 years that I want to hire. I don't care the person who has the degree in it. That doesn't make sense to me because I know you mm-hmm. know the theory. I can go read the theory to annoy Give me four hours. <laughs> I too will be an expert. But yeah. have I done it a day in my life? No. So yeah, right. the people who have the experience is usually the people who you should consult on doing stuff. So yeah, I think that is the way you should build a career. Something that you do repetitively enough to be absolutely good at it in your sleep. Right. And if you can do a career that long, it also means you've chosen something that's, I won't even say like, because I don't think it's about that. It's something that's like com- you're good enough at and that is compatible enough with your working style that you haven't burnt out. And like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, honestly, like, it's not a career that has, like, mentally destroyed you in, a f- in, like, however long it takes, two, three, five, ten years. Like, people totally burn out on careers that are unsustainable for them. My parents steered me towards being a medical doctor. I'm Nigerian, my dear. 
<laughs> if you're a Nigerian, you have one of four careers. Four. That's you have to be one of four things. If you're not an engineer, if you're not a lawyer, if you are not a doctor. Oh, that's it. Three. Sorry. Why did I say four? <laughs> did I say engineer, lawyer, doctor? Three. Uh-huh. If you are not one of these three things, you are a failure to your whole family. <laughs> a failure. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's family, apparently a lot, her family, they were very, you know, medical, healthcare oriented. A lot of those, a lot of them went into that field. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, no, you're going to do that. It wasn't even a, a discussion or a debate. It's like you're doing science and you're going to go into healthcare. That was just it. Mm-hmm. And I happen to have gone along with it for the longest time. Not because I liked it, but because I couldn't figure out something else I liked more or had more of a passion. I was like, okay, I'm good enough at this. I'll do it. Like, I, I don't yeah. suck at it too much. And I don't have a better idea what I would prefer to do instead. Mm-hmm. I did think at some point, I was like, I'm very good at articulating what I think. And I'm very good at writing what I think in mm-hmm. such a way that the person who's reading it will be able to make sense of what I wrote. And at some point I was like, I would love to do this for a living. But as a kid, I was like, I can't figure out a way to make a career out of this. Let me rephrase that. I can't figure out a way to make this in such a way that it would earn me a living. Yep. And I was like, but I know if I go into healthcare, that will earn me a living. So I was like, let's dead the creative stuff. Let's just go. Oh my God. Why did we have the same childhood? (laughs) Literally, that was exactly what... (laughs) That's exactly what happened. I loved writing in high school. I was good at it. And but as a high schooler, I had to like made a decision for the rest of my life based on like earning potential versus what I actually enjoyed doing. And, you know, nine years of degree later, I took a hard left and am now in communications. Like, (laughs) what was the reason? (laughs) What was was the reason? (laughs) The Gen Z may not have as much of an, uh, an issue with this as we did, because you know, the funny thing is, until I went to college, I didn't even realize that software engineering was a potential field I could even I could have even considered. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that that was a thing that could earn you a living. The, yeah. And since then, there are so many careers that I'm like, yes. I didn't know this could earn you. A li- I could have done so any number of d- different things. Mm-hmm. But and I think at some point you start doing something for long enough that you're kind of, I don't want to say stuck because that kind of, it's a little doom and gloom, but it's going to be hard for you to pivot your way out of that at some point. Yeah. So say for instance, if you've been working, this is how you've earned your living for the last seven years. You can't just up one day and say, okay, I'm now going to go, because you have to go back to the end of the queue, go learn how to do that thing, become proficient enough to do that thing before it can even earn your living. And yep. the gap between you pivoting right now and getting to the point where it can earn your living could be something like 10 years. Yeah. What are you going to do for a living in those 10 years? Yeah. It's so difficult. You have to keep going yeah. on the path that you started on. So I always feel as though people who change careers like mid through their 20s, I'm like, I'm so envious of. I know people yeah. who were like, they studied to be an engineer. And they're like, I'm going to go to theater now. And they just all of a sudden drop the engineering thing and they just go, they're great engineers. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. It's not the case where they failed an engineer and they couldn't do it. No, they can do it, but they really prefer to do this other thing instead. So they just go. Or like Kanye starting off as a rapper and building one of the most successful shoe companies ever. And he did say in an interview, he was like, why are we pigeonholed into one career? We should be able to do as many Mm -hmm. things. 
that's like yep. one of those interviews where he was like, Gaga knows nothing about photography, but she's a creative director of um, Polaroid. <laughs> 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 no, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, yeah. No, changing careers like as someone, I haven't. It's not like I completely dropped one career and went to another. But my, I have two degrees in chemistry. I have a bachelor's in chemistry. I have a PhD in chemistry, and I now work in communications. But in order to do that, I spent my PhD doing a chemistry lab research PhD on top of trying to build a communications resume. It was awful. It was awful. Like, I'm glad I got that experience. I'm glad I was able to get a job in communications. I'm very fortunate for that. But I had to go and do a communications internship. I was freelance writing in my spare time. I was, like, taking a bunch of extracurricular activities and trying to cobble all of this together to get someone to hire me while doing another very hard job that I didn't like. Right. I was completely burnt out. I was just struggling. And it was like, I was doing all of that. And I was like, this is still sort of a gamble. I think I would like communications, but I've never been in a communications job. And I don't know whether exactly. I'll like it until I get the job, but I can't get the job until I've spent done my fucking side hustle of learning an entire other job it's it's rough out here (laughs) it is rough and this is and when you when you get to the point where you realize that this is exactly how it has to be your heart sinks Mm -hmm. because like people when you're growing up they you know your parents and everybody tries to make you know that nonsense where they tell you oh you know pick something you love and you never work a day in your life that is some bullshit that is some bullshit. bullshit that thing that you love is the thing that will run your spirit into the ground. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point, if you love it so much and you want to do it to the best of your ability, you trying to do it to the best of your ability will work you to the bone. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll be less miserable than working to the bone for something you hate, sure. But I don't want everybody to romanticize this nonsense. Of, let's say, for instance, I haven't practiced writing in a long time. But if somebody offered me a gig to write, if I'm fortunate, by the way, if you listen to this podcast and you want to offer me a gig to write, let me know. I will write. I will write. <laughs> In fact, I will give you a very good rate since I haven't practiced and I don't. You will give me the experience and I will give you good writing. Actually, I know for a fact I am one of the best writers. Look, yep. that sounds like a flex, but come see about <laughs> me. But anyway, but that's the thing, right? If I if I chose right now to start trying to figure out how to write, I don't know how I'm going to make it work. I do not know how I'm going to make it work. Yeah. You know? Oh, and then on that note, like a lot of times the people's answer is internships, a lot of which are unpaid and also too competitive. Unpaid. But uh, that's being able to drop one career and go to another is a privilege thing, too. Like if you have the money yeah. to be unemployed for a while or just drop everything and get a different degree or take unpaid internships, like wealthy people have a lot more freedom to just like explore their career at their leisure than people who are literally living paycheck to paycheck and if you hate it too bad because you need the money (laughs) i can't pivot my dear i cannot pivot (laughs) i cannot pivot nobody's gonna pay my bills if i pivot Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm here and i have to stay here that's that's just it i have to keep going in this path (laughs) yes but uh unpaid internships are elitist capitalist trash can we just like yep oh just Make them illegal or something. It's just ugh, unpaid internships. I'm going <laughs> to... There's no lot more to say. Actually, have I ever done an unpaid internship? I haven't. I haven't. <laughs> I always had to... I haven't I either. I the money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was too poor. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when we were in undergrad, 
that nonsense where people would be applying for unpaid internships, I was like, not my black ass. Because the thing is, I lived in a suburb. If I went for a summer and I was at home and I could get an unpaid internship at a company that was near where I lived, maybe I could live home, not pay. I just eat my parents' food, just bum at home and not have to pay. And then I could struggle that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the companies that were in the quote unquote field that I was studying were not in the suburbs. Right. So I would need to go to a whole different place, a whole different state to go be an intern. And then I would have to find housing there. Housing isn't cheap anywhere, no matter how you slice it. And then I would have to worry about being able to feed myself, transportation, all that kind of stuff. And if it's an unpaid internship and I'm a student and I've never had a proper income, there's no, there's nothing to fall back on. I can't take an unpaid mm-hmm. internship. It's impossible. No, nope, I had to do, I did, I mean, they were good experience and I liked a lot of them, but I did paid internships every summer, like, starting after my freshman year and would like scrimp and save because I needed to save it up for during the year when I could only work part time <laughs> because of this. Exactly. like the phrase dream yeah. job too. I, I didn't even realize how ridiculous that phrase was until like one day somebody on the <laughs> internet was like, I don't dream of labor. I was of like, working. oh, yeah. <laughs> why would I dream of working? But yeah. like dream job is like a, again, kids, like what's your dream job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's stupid it's stupid i do know people who as kids they were so clear focused they were going to do this thing mm-hmm. they knew it without any doubt whatsoever and those kids i, I kind of wanted to just pick their brains and be like how did you get here so fast mm-hmm. like what about this are you so sure of like yeah how, why are you so sure of this because yeah. even as an adult and that i'm supposed to be i'm not sure of anything and the older I get, the less sure I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I look up what I, the stuff that I did five years ago. I did it with such conviction. And I'm like, what if I was wrong? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I get older, I was yeah. like, I did it with such conviction. And I'm so happy it worked out. But damn, what if I was wrong? But no, I think sometimes like people who have like the one career, I think sometimes it's lucky. I think sometimes people genuinely do just luck into picking something they really like. Mm. And it just feels validated that they wanted to do it and they're so good at it. I think some people are just like delusional and really have to like tell themselves that to <laughs> to put the amount of effort and energy into it that they need to succeed at it. Like I think mentally they need to rationalize like this is my passion that's why i'm spending all of this time on it yeah i don't know maybe i'm being like jaded but i feel like i I feel like there are very few people who actually like are have a passion and make it into the one career like (laughs) you know what's worse is if you delude yourself into thinking that this thing is your passion just to justify the amount of time you spend on it. Mm-hmm. And then that thing that you have justified to yourself, you happen to then not be good at it. <laughs> you are working. Yeah. Like, it's an uphill battle. It's Right. Just, and sometimes, every once in a while, like, I ca- when, I, when, th- when I struggle with certain parts of what I do, I'm like, I feel like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, first of all, I don't, I don't, I don't believe that there's any one... Because I, first of all, I don't, I don't dream of labor like that lady said. But yeah, I'm still not even sure if this thing is the one. And then, yeah, when I don't think any job is the one, by the way, because working yeah. is not great. 
and I don't think anybody's going to ever have the 100%, well, some people do, the 100% conviction that this is what it, they should be doing. But imagine me feeling like, eh, I don't believe this is 100% the thing that I want to do forever and ever. And then the day comes where that stuff becomes like depressingly difficult and I'm supposed to be good at it and I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. That shit hurts. That shit yeah. really hurts. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm in the first job in my life that I actually like and feel like I'm good at and don't feel miserable at the end of the day because of my job. (laughs) 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 And even then, I don't know where it goes from here. I have no idea where this, like, quote-unquote career goes from here. I have a job that I like, and I'm learning some skills for things I like to do, and something will happen after this. I don't know what. I feel like the best opportunities I've had have been ones that I didn't, like, know about and seek out. It's so hard to, like, know about them. Like, even this job I'm in right now, it was not a purpose-built communications job. It was more of a scientific job, and I had a lot of communications experience, and they, because it was a flexible sort of, like, fellowship, internship-type position... They put me in more of a communications role, and I was able to learn. But that was that was sort of happenstance. So I'm I'm no longer I'm at peace with just sort of like opening, like knowing, having a better idea now of what I like, and just like opening myself up to like opportunities as they come along. <laughs> you know how they say don't don't say no to anything. First of all, you should say no to some things. Oh my but, god, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. But if if it's an opportunity that you feel as though. You, you know, maybe it's not something you thought of, but it presents itself. Take it. Mm-hmm. Don't leave. If if you have a window of opportunity, I don't care. Take it. Take it. And this is what leads me to continue to do more and more and more and more, as opposed to doing less. And I, <laughs> and I feel like I'm burning out. Any window of opportunity shows up. First of all, this might just be like residual trauma for me being a kid, like not thinking that I had enough opportunities. If an opportunity shows up, and I can manage to prepare myself to take it, even if I feel as though I'm overwhelmed with all the other stuff that I have going on, I'm still going to go for it. I'm, Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know what this is going to lead to. It's an opportunity to present itself. Do you know how many people don't even get this opportunity? I'm taking it. I am going mm-hmm. to take it. I'm, gonna, I'm running with it. If it, yep. if it doesn't pan out, I will say I've at least tried. If you could go back to, like, say, end of high school and start your quote-unquote career over knowing what you know now, what do you think you might have done? What I would have done differently, it wouldn't have been, a, I wouldn't have put a lot of pressure to try to, first of all, my parents wanted me to go into healthcare. I would have said, mm-hmm. fuck that. I would have chosen something else. But I wouldn't have chosen something else that I would have been passionate about. Mm-hmm. And this is why I say this. I would have chosen something that would be more immediate, immediately lucrative. Mm. Something that would make me a lot of money quickly. Because even if I hate mm. that thing, I would give myself a deadline. I was like, if I'm burning out in five years doing this thing, so that thing would have to earn me a lot of money in a short time, even Mm -hmm. if I hated it. So if it meant like, I don't know, a lot of people did this in terms of, you know, those coding camps where they go do the coding camp and, you know, Mm -hmm. this is no shade to the coding camp. It it has turned out some of the best programmers that I know of. But I would have done something like that. Mm. I would have delayed. I'm not saying anybody should do this. I don't believe anybody should not go to college. I believe people should still go because of. I feel like there's a lot of ambient knowledge that you just kind of soak in just by being there, not mm-hmm. actually the studying that you're doing. Yeah. But I would have done one of those, delayed college two years, started doing that, gotten really good at it, 
done it for like those two years, saved up every single cent I earned such that I buy myself the luxury to then figure out what I wanted to do as a career, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah. And even in college, I used to laugh at the kids who did business as an undergrad. I was like, business as undergrad? That's not concentrated at anything. (laughs) They had it right. Mm -hmm. They had it right. Because they did something that wasn't as much work to do. And them coming out of it almost instantly guaranteed that they could fit into the entire United States is it's capitalist. There is a business every place. You need mm-hmm. someone with a business degree to be able to. I didn't. This didn't I occur know. to me then. I know. So a business degree would have been the wisest thing to get as an undergrad because it's not concentrated. It's very broad. You can apply to almost anything and you mm-hmm. can use that to stack your money for the next five years. And then in those five years, you can then figure out what you want to do. I didn't think about this. So anyway, if in terms of knowing what I wanted to do about my career, if I had to go back, I'd do something like that. I'd make sure I'd do something to earn me a lot of money so I can buy myself the luxury of being able to figure out what I really wanted to do. Hmm. How about you? What would you have done differently? I don't really know. I know, I know, the one thing I know with absolute 100% certainty is that I would not do a PhD. Absolutely not. (laughs) That was a huge mistake. (laughs) That took up five and a half years of my life and made me miserable. I would not do a PhD. <laughs> so that I can say for sure. <laughs> I I can't I can't do anything but laugh. Like, oh god. Yeah, a PhD was not for me. It's a huge commitment and I made very lightly because I wanted to defer my student loans and didn't know what I where I was going. So uh yeah, so, but the first, I mean, I would still want to go to college, and I mean, I guess, if the, unless in this fictional scenario I, like, suddenly had money, I think the first four years would go similarly in that I'd be, you know, in college, scrimping and saving, doing internships. I, yeah, I also would have majored in something more general. It, yeah, that never clicked it to me until later, but it gives you so much more flexibility to, like, at the end, do something that you want to do, like, People, you don't, you aren't like pigeonholed immediately coming out with a degree. And I think what what fueled our decisions to do the things the way we did them is because we felt as though we didn't have the luxury of time. I don't want to yeah. say we felt rushed. And what I mean by, yeah, you know what I mean? I do. You, you know, the whole thing of, you know, getting a job is really competitive, especially after the 2008 economic crisis. My dear, people were out here years without a job. Mm-hmm. So you kind of wanted to go into something that you knew at the other end was going to make sense. And I kind of get that. But yeah. even then, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah. The kids who were in humanities, I was I was like, first of all, why are you in humanities, my dear? Nobody's going to hire you. Those kids had it right. I know. <laughs> they had it right. They had it right. I was like, how was I so dense back then? It didn't. It didn't click in my head. It did not click. Yeah. I think I think I would have gotten a degree. I think I probably would have gotten a humanities degree. I think I would have sort of taken my time, done a, some kind of humanities degree, gotten like a broad swath of things. And then I think I would do either after working for a few years or right then, I would never do a PhD again. But I think I would do like a master's <laughs> degree or something in something more specific. Like take some time, figure out what I want to do, and then do something like a master's to get some experience in that thing and then go from there. Which I think would have been like, I really enjoy communications now. Like 
But I also really like science. I absolutely would not go and do a whole science degree again, but I really like being at sort of the intersection of a bunch of different fields and, and having sort of a broad knowledge of things. So yeah, I don't know exactly what I would have done, but I think, I think it would have been more communications focused from the start now that I, and it wouldn't have been a PhD. No, it would not have (laughs) never, never, never. I do not recommend it. (laughs) So how has the idea of careers changed in modern times? One thing that has definitely changed is the idea of, I feel like it's rare and sort of ill-advised now to just go to a company either after high school or after college and stay with that company your entire career. It's so rare now. And talk about money. Can't do that now. You will never, ever, ever make as much money nowadays staying in one company than bouncing back and forth between companies. The pay bump you get from joining a new company and getting a new job is astronomically more than just promotions at the same company now. That model used to work because the company even if they didn't pay you enough in salary as an entry level, what they would do is the amount of quote-unquote dividends they'd pay you over the lifetime of being with the company made it Mm -hmm. worth it. Because if you stayed with them for like 30 years or whatever, you got a pension that was going to stay. Or if you stay with them for X amount of years, they'd give you X amount of perks. But now companies are... Even companies don't even pay dividends on their own stocks that they trade anymore. (laughs) So... You staying with that company for a long time makes no sense. This right now that we've entered is a gig economy. You need your money up front and you need to figure out a way to compound your own money. The company will not do it for you. They will take, 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 take from you and leave you with nothing. And if you if you want to be the idiot who's going to stay with the company for 40 years, even if you believe in the company and you love the company, you need to take care of yourself first. Yeah. And the company is just going to try to make its own profits in perpetuity so if they're gonna do it by eating right off your scalp they will do it people being loyal to companies nowadays just blows my mind it's like it they have no no interest in you they they don't train people on the job anymore like they don't have long-term benefits like pensions like there's nothing there's it's nothing why are you feeling loyal to like unless it's like a small family business but like corporations why do people feel loyalty to corporations but the thing is a lot of our parents generation they still think like that yeah so when they see us moving the way we move they're like you're not gonna stand up my dear and the other thing is like when you said they don't even train on the job anymore this is the thing that gets me when you read the job requirements like when you go apply for a job i'm like First of all, this shit is so specific. There is no degree for this. Mm-hmm. There's no degree for this. You literally have to get something close enough and then bring that person in and then teach them. And then you're not paying them enough. And like, so many jobs would say you need a master's in public health, a PhD in X, Y, and Z, and you need to have 10 years of experience. The salary is $50,000. I know. Now, let me put it this way. There's some people who hear me say $50,000 and think, oh, my God, that is actually a, a decent amount of money. No, it's not. No, it no. is not. If you have been working for 10 years, you spent six years getting a PhD, you spent another three or maybe two getting your master's, and you have racked up all this debt. And literally, your skill set is so broad yet so deep that you can do pretty much 10 people's jobs yeah (laughs) my dear that's not enough money Mm -mm. it's not 
Yeah, and I don't think anybody should be taking that job. I don't think anybody should be taking that job. I, ugh, capitalism is such a bitch. People very often now put off major life events and milestones to focus on their careers. Like, will delay whole parts of their lives and things they want out of their lives to focus on their careers. I used to be this person. Yeah. I'm just now learning to stop being that person. Ugh, we have to talk about professional behavior because I don't understand why people Oof. ever took their careers so seriously. Like, traditionally, you know this respectability politics where people are like, you know, if I'm going up to, to work, it has to be uh, a leather Oxford shoe with yeah. a single pleat uh, pant with a... Uh, pastel colored shirt and a so-and-so tie and a this and a that and i'm gonna wear this every single day for the rest of my career. and i have to you know you get to work and you code switch and you do this thing where you first of all i'm still first i'm i'm guilty of this thinking still because i do feel as though if you are going to be a professional you can't be sloppy companies would say you can't you know no dying hair no jewelry no this no that first of all i understand that some people have really terrible taste <laughs> i understand that <laughs> if i owned a business and you showed up with poor taste we're gonna fight we have to fight but i do think though that it's the work that matters not the appearance if that person comes in and they have the pink hair the chandelier earrings the sky high stilettos and they are the best at that job. Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> I will buy you at the company Christmas present. I will buy you those chandelier earrings and those stilettos because I feel because you are producing. You're doing what you're supposed mm -hmm. to do. What you look. Yeah. Even like especially science as a field where they you know everybody thinks you have to dress up. Like first of all, scientists. If you work in a true wet lab, there are so many things that can ruin your clothing. Oh, yeah. So many things. Everything. There's bleach there. There's acid there. There's there's so many things that will ruin your clothing. Mm -hmm. So most of the time, scientists just wear very utilitarian clothing. Yeah. Which is not technically business casual. But in the field of science, when we started, we were asked to wear fucking business casual. What was the reason? Yeah. What was the reason? <laughs> what was the fucking reason? Yeah, so this oh respectability politics and this professional behavior that we went in thinking we had to do, I'm over it now. Yeah, it takes a lot of mental energy if you are trying to like suppress a lot of things about yourself and fit into a culture that's the what looks professional is so coded to like just discourage black people, discourage queer people from existing in <laughs> like looking the way they look and <laughs> existing in workspaces. Like the pr what is professional is completely centered on like what white men naturally look like in a workplace and everyone else just has to like shove themselves into that mold it's amazing what a mental toll that takes on you to like completely change like your dress your voice your manner of speaking like i mean i guess it's not i'm like saying all of that it's not surprising that that takes such a toll like i perform so much better if i feel like i'm not walking on eggshells about the way i'm talking in a meeting or like worrying about people finding something out about me or 
like worrying about what I'm like, if I feel comfortable, I can actually focus that energy on my job. There was a woman who I knew in graduate school who always wore crop tops to conferences. She was a PhD student in geology. She did not care. Like, one day I want to achieve the confidence of this woman. She was she was just like, yes, I am presenting my poster in a crop top. Like, please tell me something is wrong about the geology work on this poster. Like, it's flawless. You can't. <laughs> Nobody came at her. She just had the confidence. She was like, this is how I am. Like when people are working, they're like working extra hours or they work on their vacation and they're like, oh, well, just, you know, things would fall apart without me. That's not, that's not good. (laughs) Don't keep enabling that. Like leave, let it fall apart and then let them realize, oh, (laughs) maybe this isn't the way we should be structured. If you're literally going to fall apart when one person goes on vacation, like let them have that problem. Don't make it your problem. That's their problem. Right. And it sounds so selfish to say, but the only reason the only reason why this is important is if it's flipped the other way, the company doesn't give a shit about you. Oh yeah. This is along the same lines of things we've already been saying, but PSA, take your vacation time. Take it. It's literally part of your compensation. It would be like throwing away part of your salary. Right. <laughs> and and actually take it. Like turn the phone off. Like if it if something happens, it's their problem. Like you said, unless you own that company, like it's not your problem. You're on vacation. I know this is sad. I'm self-aware enough to know how sad this is. <laughs> I used to say to myself, I'm the only person who can overwork the way I overwork. Hmm. I'm the only person of this entire building. I'm the only person who can do it because I don't have a pet to run home to. Mm-hmm. I don't have not like in a, a long-term relationship. It's not, it's not date night. I'm not like, I don't have a million friends to hang out with. Like, there's nothing else I have going on. I can Mm. afford to put my head down and do this damn thing. And now I'm like, God damn it, man. I need to start making friends. I need to start going out. I I need to fill my personal life with things that I enjoy so that I don't... That thought of, I have nothing else to do. I might as well do this. I don't want to have that thought ever again. I want to have enough things that I enjoy such that I'm like, I'm leaving. I got shit to do. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... That concludes our episode on careers. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Big Empty Purse. Tweet us, message us, hate on capitalism with us, and tell us what you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. (laughs) (laughs) On next week's episode, we'll be discussing aging. Until next time, peace. Peace.